want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church here in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from the book of Jeremiah called Hope in Crisis. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Hope in a New Covenant. This is an awesome encouragement to you. Now you see, this is a pretty serious thing that God's getting into with his people. There were three different types of covenants. I should mention this as well. Uh, Three types. One was kind of what maybe might be better defined or easier grasped as a covenant that had kind of a treaty flavor. And that would be such that um, if you had a nation and you were way more powerful and I was a smaller nation and um, um, you were about ready to conquer us, I might make a treaty or a covenant with you that um, we will pay you X number of tribute, we will not desert to the other empire, and we will follow you. So it's the lesser making a covenant with the greater. Then there was a second covenant, which is kind of more what would seem like in our world, a contract, though it's not. And two equal parties would come in and say, I will do this for you if you will do that for me. Okay, think about Jacob and Laban when they were talking to each other about um, Rachel. They were making a covenant. Here's the third one, and this is the one that we're talking about here. Uh, There was the covenant of a grant type where the stronger party looks to the weaker party and says, I am going to bless you, and this is what I'm going to do for you, really, in some cases, irregardless of what you do. That might be the kind of covenant you would make with your child. I'm never going to stop loving you. It doesn't matter what you do. Now, it's a lot nicer if you do some things that are kind of relational. But the reality is I'm never going to stop loving you. And God is going to say here, he's going to make a covenant with the people of God and say, I'm going to do some things for you irregardless of what you do. And here's the heartbreak. The heartbreak is that even though God had made Uh, This covenant back in Exodus 19 through 24, if you look way back in your Bible, I'm sorry, look at verse 32. He says, uh, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Sadly, Israel had this habit of, oh, sweet covenant, we're all in until we forget about it and we're going to go do our own thing. Oh, wait, then we're going to remember. Oh, yeah, we're going to have this covenant renewal. And then we're going to forget about it for a while. And then we're going to come back again. And then think about all the times this happened. It happened um, covenant made, then 40 years in the wilderness. Covenant renewed under Moses. Uh, Deuteronomy 34. I'm sorry, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy, the whole book. Then under Joshua, there was another covenant renewal, Joshua 23 and 24. Then Samuel in 1 Samuel 12, Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 29 through 31. Then the greatest renewal under Josiah, 2 Kings 22 and 23, a passage we looked at a few weeks ago. But sadly, this nation just kept going, and I, I want to follow God, but I really want what I want, and back and forth, and notice here in the text, at the end of verse 32, God says, my covenant, they, the people, broke, though I was their husband. God's using the metaphor of marriage to describe what happened with his people. He said, I, I made a covenant with you. When people get married under the Christian faith, they're making a covenant, till death do us part. 
I'm not leaving this relationship until the Lord takes you home or me home or maybe both of us home. I'm in this all the way to the end. But sadly, the nation of Israel, like a wayward wife in this case, would keep running off to other lovers and then oh, I'll come back to God. And then I'm going to go run off to some other lot. Well, then I'm going to go back to God. And round and round and round and round and round. And God said, um, yeah, you guys are about the most faithless equivalent of a wife. It could go the other way too, hypothetically. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's not calling out women here. It's calling out the people of God. Okay? And they were saying, and God's like, I've had it. I've had it. And finally, God got to the point where like, we need it in Jeremiah. We need a total reboot with a massive boot. Okay? We are going to start this thing over. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, this thing is not working. It's not working. Why these people keep breaking this covenant all the time? If you ever had to see um, a marriage fall apart because one spouse or the other ran off with someone else and then comes back and then goes back and then comes back, you know the heartbreak that God is feeling toward his own people. Probably many of us have seen that in our own lives spiritually or seen it in the lives of others where there's people that say, well, I want to follow Jesus Christ with all my heart, but, but, I, but I really like living life for myself and I like being selfish, but I, I really want to, but I really want to, and they back and round and round and round. Now, most of us can say that at some point in our lives, we've been that person. All of us have been that person. Think of the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We all feel that tendency to wander. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, some of us can try what I would define as try harderism. Not a word in the dictionary. Don't look for it. Try harderism Christian life. Okay, God, I'm so sorry. I messed up. Next time I'm going to try to do it. And we look at the Christian life as though it all depends on us and our ability to try harder next time. Maybe if I just hold the steering wheel a little bit tighter, I can follow God a little bit better than I did last time, though I completely wiped out last time. That's not what God's looking for. You can only imagine Jeremiah's heart at this point. His whole life, he's been preaching the message of, of judgment. And guys, really? Guys, really, guys? Really? You guys rededicated yourself to the Lord under Josiah, and now it isn't even a generation, and you're back in the middle of your muck. You're back in the ditch. And I have to wonder if at one point Jeremiah just sat there and just said, is this how it's always going to be? Is it always going to be like this? Are we just going to keep, is God going to kick the people out of the land Then he's promised to bring them back? Are we just going to keep doing this cycle of wilderness, then promised land, then back to the wilderness, back to the promised land? Are we just, is this going to go on forever? The question is, what's the solution? So what do you think the solution is? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why is it that I feel this tendency to do things that I shouldn't do? That's what Romans talks about, Romans 6, 7, and 8. Why, why do I always feel this tendency of my heart to wander away from God? What do I do? What do I do? Well, that is where God's solution comes in. Look at verse 33. It says, but this is the covenant, this new covenant, this is how it's going to be different. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, my ways within them, and I will write it on their hearts. So one commentator said it well. He said, God is no longer going to be writing his laws just on tablets where the appropriation of God's law is only skin deep. He's saying, I'm done with the tablets thing. 
I'm going to write it on their hearts. I'm going to write my ways in their hearts where it becomes a part of them, where it be, it's no longer just a skin-deep thing that they keep grasping at, but where I'm going to internalize it. I am going to internalize it as God, and I am going to put it on their hearts. I'm going to write it on their lives in such a way that it's with permanent marker, and they can't change it, and they won't want to. It will all be right in their hearts. God's message to Jeremiah and really to us is, um, listen, hope is not in trying harder. Hope is in total transformation. And that's what the gospel is about. That's what the grace of God is about. It's not about, hey, try a little harder. Try this. Try this nugget of wisdom. Maybe if you try this nugget, if you can just switch this up a little bit, maybe you can get closer to God. The reality is, what is obvious from the Old Testament, there is a chasm between us and God. And no matter how hard we try, If you come to church and you're thinking, well, if I just try to be a little bit better in my marriage, then God will love me or like me, or I will get along, there's there's no answer there. The answer is you need the living God to transform your heart. That's the amazing thing about the new covenant. Now, some of that could be seen in the Old Testament, but never as clear as what's coming. This past week, I um, visited a Pickaway Correctional Institution we're part of the Gospel Coalition, and um, we were invited down there by Prison Fellowship to come in, and we had our monthly meeting at the Correction Institution. We got to walk around and see it, and I, I think that was the first time I'd been in a correctional institution. I've been close, but I don't think I've ever been in one, actually, and what an eye-opening situation. As you go through, and you have to present security, and no cell phones, no pens, no nothing allowed except your ID, and you walk through this thing, multiple security checkpoints, and then you go through this uh, courtyard, and in this courtyard, you see, this broke my heart, you see picnic tables here, and you have spouses and girlfriends and family, even little kids, meeting with dads and boyfriends. You can just feel the brokenness and the weight that's on their hearts as they're trying to keep a relationship with someone who's always away. And then we walked in, and we took a tour. We went around, saw the, uh, the bedrooms and how they live. And then we went into uh, a special meeting room, and we actually, it was a real blessing. The, vice war, uh, the, the assistant warden came in and took some time, an amazing believer. I'm telling you, he started preaching at us. I was like, prison wardens don't come in and preach to preachers, but this dude was bringing it. I mean, he was just telling us, he's like, you know what? The reason you're here gives me hope. And I'm going to tell you something. They had this saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. There's very few atheists in correctional rehabilitation. When you've looked in the eyes of people that have killed people in cold blood, when you see people that have brutalized people, you have a different perspective on the, quote, you know, goodness of humanity. You see depravity face to face. Now, here's the illusion. The illusion is that I live in my so-called nice neighborhood, uh, so-called away from all those people. No, you don't. You just don't know where they're living. But even that is in the issue. We have this illusion that I'm really removed from that level of depravity. No, you know you're not. And scripture says the depravity isn't what I do. The depravity starts in here. It's a new heart that I need. It's a new me that I need. The only difference between me and them, oh, there isn't one. We're all sinners. Okay, And when you see that hopelessness, you're just looking at yourself just a little more wound up. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. 
You know, as a result of listening to Meeting with God Daily, I hope that your passion for Jesus Christ is growing in such a way that you're learning to share your faith with others. You know, that's something that our church is committed to, equipping men and women to share the good news of Jesus through personal witness and church outreach. And if you don't have a church here in Columbus, Ohio, we'd love to have you join us this weekend. Go to verticalchurch.life. Hope is in a new heart. Hope is in a clean heart. Look at the end of verse 34. God says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The forgiveness found in the new covenant is awesome. The guy that was sharing at the prison fellowship, he, God has used him even through our governor's office. Pray for your governor. You never know what he's doing to advance certain opportunities for the gospel. Prison fellowship was brought in to have an impact on the rehabilitation, to impact the lives of many men and women that are in our correctional facilities. And this guy shared, he was sharing a story about how he, he has these classes where they bring him in and he teaches the different people, some of which are believers, some of which have want nothing to do with the gospel, that they're just curious and they want to learn more. And he was talking about this one fella that he was talking to and he said, um, I told the guys, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down on a sheet of paper what you've done wrong. The worst thing you've done, write it on there. Now, if you know about corrections, you know the one thing you don't ask an inmate about is why they're there. The shame, the pain of how they got there, you just don't talk about that. One of these gentlemen that was watching this or involved in this, he sat down and he wrote some things down. He wrote it down. At the end, Brett told him, I want you to take that paper, I want you to crinkle it up, and I want you to throw it on the floor. Because in Jesus Christ, there is total forgiveness for what you've done. And this guy said, he said, I I wrote it down. He had killed someone. He'd been involved in killing someone. And he wrote it down. He said, when I threw that thing on the floor for the first time, I understood what forgiveness was. And after that event, not only did this man experience forgiveness, he called the person who had turned him in. He was in prison for 25 years for being involved in a killing. He was halfway through his time, but someone, a friend of his, had turned him in. No one had caught him. He got turned in. And he called that person and said, I forgive you. I forgive you for turning me in. Do you know what a step that is? He's got another decade behind bars. His life will always be scarred, so to speak, but because of Jesus Christ and the power of the new covenant, he can find forgiveness. That's awesome. That's every one of us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, how does this happen? How, How do I go from being a depraved sinner to becoming a part of the new covenant? How do I do that? How is that going to possibly happen, God? How could that ever happen? Well, I want you to look in the text. Verse 33, verse 34. This is an awesome thing. Uh, the reality is you can't. Just to give you the bad news first. Here's the good news, the very good news. Notice in the text what it says. It says, but this covenant, verse 33, that I will make, then skip down, I will put my law within them, I will write it on their hearts, I will be their God, then skip to the end of 34, I will forgive their iniquity, I will remember there's sin no more. The first point of the message is my hope is found in the new covenant. But here's the second point, and this is awesome. 
my hope is the result of God's initiative. Listen, I can't do it on my own. I, I love what it says here in the text. God says, I will make this covenant with the house of Israel. Listen, that's God's initiative. He says, I will put it on their hearts. That's God's transformation. Think about Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is a good, acceptable, and perfect. Then he says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Do you know what it is if you've been in a broken relationship that has fallen apart at the seams? Do you know what it is to be God's possession? There might be no one else in the world that loves you deeply. There might, everyone might have turned their backs on you, but the reality is when God says they will be my people, he's saying each individual is going to be my possession. I will love them. I will care for you. I will love you. Then at the end he says, I will forgive and I will remember no more. That's God's mercy. You're, you're, maybe you're like here, you're like, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do? I, I want to be a part of this. I want to, what, what, how do I step up? How do I take this? The, and the answer is uh, do nothing. Do nothing. You know, the funny thing is all of us like, like take charge people. I love to take charge people as long as they take charge in the right direction. But some of us take charge people like, okay, God, okay, God, thanks for giving me the recipe for success. I'm in it. Here, here. God, look at this like really cool new thing I am, okay? Look at this. It's so cool. Look at my righteousness. Look at how I'm doing life. And it's, I, I'm just so, like, God, I'm just so, and, and God looks at it and he sees all the tears and the stuff and he's just like, it'd be better if you just did what? Nothing. Nothing. This past week, uh, Jensine and I and uh, the boys went to a Clippers game. The boys, they did this reading over the summer, and they uh, got these tickets to go to the Clippers game. And um, it always cracks me up to go watch minor league baseball. It just cracks me up. And the thing that cracks me up is not the baseball. The baseball is actually pretty good. What cracks me up is what goes on in between the innings, okay? And it's amazing how uh, these people come out and um, this is all different parts. You can see this. They, they pull out these T-shirts, and they start launching them, whether it's with guns or with whatever, and they throw these T-shirts into the crowd. Now, it amazes me how dignified business executives <laughs> have such a change in character when the T-shirts come out, Okay? And they act like I have, they treat these t-shirts like they're screaming. In this game, you have to scream to kind of get the attention. So there's all these people just scream. And I wasn't close enough. Maybe I'm just bitter. I don't know. But they're just screaming, give me the t-shirt. And they're, and they're ready to elbows flying in. Give me a t-shirt. You know, and it's like, have you never seen a t-shirt before? Okay, it's a t-shirt. Now, most of those people wouldn't be caught dead wearing the t-shirt. But in the moment, I have to have one of the t-shirts. All right, all right. It's not made out of gold, I guarantee you. It's just, it's just a t-shirt. Now think about how we go maybe out of character a little bit. We know the grace of God, we know the goodness of God, and yet sometimes we as Christians, or if you're not a believer, we, we try to say, well, God, you know what? That whole new covenant thing, it's really about me stepping it up. It's really about me getting out of, I know you've said this in your word, I know normally that's the better, but God, I'm going to do this in my own strength. Thanks for, the, thanks for the help, I'm going to do it. 
just as crazy it is to see these really dignified people going nuts. That's how God looks at us. When we try to say, God, I'll do the new covenant in my own strength, thank you. God's like, that's not what I said in my word. That's not how it works. Listen, grace is the fact that God pours his favor on us who are so undeserving, not us reaching up and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps or whatever and trying to make ourselves holy. The power of the new covenant is what God does, not what we do. What can I do, God? Notice God says, I will, I will. Yet we say, okay, God, what can I do? What can I do? And the answer is, um, nothing. Nothing. But just receive the gift and embrace my truth. It's very simple. It's very simple. The radical nature of the new covenant is simply receiving God's grace and favor. I want to circle back to the beginning of the text, verse 31. It says, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. Days are coming. When are those days coming? Here's the amazing truth. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 23. When is this coming? When are these days coming? Verse 23 says, Paul's speaking. He says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We recognize that as the Lord's Supper. But then watch this in verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's the answer right there. The new covenant is about Jesus Christ. Now, Jeremiah couldn't see that, but that's the answer right there. The new covenant, the the transformation from trying to live through these covenants, but brokenness, but back and forth. This new covenant was inaugurated by Jesus Christ. That's why we worship him. The blood of Christ both initiates and empowers the new covenant. Some of you might be saying, well, wait, 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 pastor, wait, wait, wait. What I read in that that passage, what you just read, pastor, I don't exactly see that yet. Why don't you go back there? Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33 says, but this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor And each his brother saying, know the Lord. They will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. This covenant, this is what they call a theological term, the already, but not yet. The reality is when Jesus says, this is the new covenant, that is the already. But part of the fulfillment is still waiting. Now back to 1 Corinthians for a second. Well, how do you see that, Luke? Where do you see that? Verse 26, 1 Corinthians 11, 26. It says, for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, when? Until he comes. That's when the ultimate fulfillment will be here. That's when the day will come when not only will we know God, not only will we have the Holy Spirit in us speaking to us, but a day will come when everything else is pulled out. Now, I mean, I don't know what your neighbors are like. I have great neighbors, but I'm not at a stage where I don't have to share the gospel anymore, am I? 
I'm not at a stage where I have to say, where I, I can stop saying no to the Lord. Oh, my whole neighborhood comes to Christ. Well, then there's somebody in the next neighborhood that needs to know Jesus. Okay? We're not at that stage yet because we're living between the already and the not yet. You might be here today, and as you're hearing God's word, you're saying, you have a pastor, pastor, there's some guilt in my life. You don't understand. There's some sin in my life. There's some things in my life that aren't the way they're supposed to be, and I know it, and I know it, and I'm feeling the tension of the not yet. Or, or, maybe it's a habit you can't break. Maybe it's, a habit that keeps causing more guilt you can't get over and this cycle. And I, Lord, I feel like I'm the people of Israel. I just keep going between these things and I, I can't seem to break free. Well, that's where you need to lean into the new covenant. And notice that it says at the end of verse 34, it says, I will forgive your sins. I will remember your sins no more. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.